0: I think it's fair to say that as a, as a Shakespearean scholar, I am a reduced one at best. Um, but I am now talking to the, the a completely unreduced scholar, arguably the dean of Shakespearean scholarship. I don't know whether that's too flattering or not flattering enough, but in any event, Sir Stanley Wells is the person I'm talking to now, and I believe you might be the first knight of the realm I've ever spoken to. <laughs> uh,
1: well, here, yes, here I am.
0: and breadth of his scholarship and writing and editing and teaching, Sir Stanley Wells is our greatest living Shakespearean and, at the risk of sounding hyperbolic, might well be the greatest Shakespearean of all time. During my recent trip to the Shakespeare Birthplace Trust in Stratford-upon-Avon, I had the enormous privilege of chatting with Sir Stanley in his inner sanctum for about 15 minutes. I honestly could have
1: happily sat there for hours. Yes, here I am in my room in the Shakespeare Centre in Stratford-on-Avon. Uh, I was formerly chairman of this institution, the Shakespeare Birthplace Trust, and I'm now called an honorary president, so I do a lot of voluntary activities on their behalf and carry on with my own work from here. Well, and
0: your own work is so promiscuous, if I can use that word. Uh, you have books coming out all the time. You're the Stephen King of Shakespeare scholarship.
1: And one of the f-
0: most recent books that, uh, that I'm aware of is, is is your book about great Shakespearean actors. Yes, yes.
1: Great Shakespeare Actors has just been done in paperback, yes. That's a book I wrote two or three years ago uh, about Shakespeare actors from the very beginnings, from Richard Burbage, the leader of Shakespeare's own company, up to our own day, uh, uh, Kenneth Branagh, for example. Example and Simon Russell Beale and Judi Dench, are all, all uh, short essays on each of them.
0: Well, they're fascinating. I loved it, and 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 I've always been fascinated about the fact that that Shakespeare, yes, is a, an amazing writer, but he was writing for amazing actors. Yeah. And do you know how much, what sort of influence the the members of his company in how that influenced how they influenced his writing?
1: yes there must have been very considerable interaction between shakespeare it was a very tight knit company it was formed in 1594 it stayed together i mean shakespeare dies in in 1616 the 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 his career comes virtually to an end in 1613 which is the year that the Globe Theatre which had been built in 1599 uh, and where which was the center of the company's activities when they went on tour or playing at court for example uh, the Globe Theatre burnt down in 1613 during a performance of the play about Henry VIII Uh, I rather suspect that Shakespeare's heart was broken by that Mm. he stops writing after that virtually Mm -hmm. and uh, it was a terrible disaster. But it. But the, 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 he'd worked with the same actors. Uh, Will Kemp, the great comedian, retired from the company around about 1599. Uh, but other members stayed on right through from the foundation of the company till after Shakespeare's death. Pri- principally, the great tragic actor of the company was Richard Burbage, uh, who must have been a, 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 a wonderful actor. Shakespeare wrote for him the roles of, of uh, Romeo, Hamlet, Macbeth, Leontes, for example, King Lear. Uh, it's interesting to me that the roles get older as the actor gets older. Shakespeare is clearly there a very practical <laughs> man of the theatre. It's also interesting to me a little-known uh, observed fact that He never asks Burbage to sing, Mm. he asks him to fight, he's clearly a great duelist, which he has to do, well, most notably perhaps in Hamlet. But the only time that the leading role uh, has a song in it is is Benedict, who ha- makes fun of himself singing. Right. So uh, yeah, we can le- learn a little bit about the actors from the from the way the, the things that Shakespeare expected them to do. I think mm-hmm. Shakespeare himself was an actor. He doesn't seem to be one of the major actors of the company. In fact, in my book, I begin it with was Shakespeare the first great Shakespeare actor? And answer: No, he probably wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he would know that was a decent actor. He, we know, we know the only parts we know for certain that he played were not in his own plays but he must have played in his own plays but we know he played in his plays by Ben Johnson because he's named on the title pages of them right. for example
0: well and he must have been
1: far too busy writing these great plays to play large roles in them Yes, he may not have been a particularly distinguished actor either, but yes, he writes about two plays a year on average, and how long does it take to write a play? Well, Ben Johnson was rather proud of having written Volpone in only six weeks. Uh, So, I mean, I I think Shakespeare must have devoted the larger part of his energies to to his writing rather than to his acting. And it's also one of the reasons why I suspect he spent more time in Stratford than has previously been thought. Uh, He presumably needed peace and quiet, if possible. And he also has to do a lot of reading for the plays. I mean, the plays are not just spun totally out of his own imagination, but some of them, especially the, the historical plays, Richard II, Right through to Anton Cleopatra, for example, the Roman histories uh, are are based on quite wide reading, which you can trace, and scholars have traced and there's a very couple of very interesting books about Shakespeare's sources about the books that he that he read, which showed not only that he read extensively but that he re- continued reading through his life and and remembered, I think he had a very good memory uh, and he he uh, uh, went on reading, we, we, for example, Montaigne, Montaigne's essays, which are a major source for, for The Tempest, were not published until not, not long before Shakespeare wrote the play. So he wasn't just relying on a backlog right. of, of previous reading. He was a very serious <clears> reader <throat> indeed. And do we know, we know the sources that he used, but we don't know them because we
0: found his copy with Elizabethan highlights in it. Um, We trace some of the
1: language, is that, and, and some of the characters from the other plays? Yeah, Shakespeare's sources are, are known because sometimes he's very close to them. He's actually almost mm-hmm. copying out. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a great speech of Ina Barbas in *Antony Cleopatra*, beginning "The barge she sat in," for example, which is very close indeed to the translation of Plutarch that he used. He was—we would almost—we would nowadays say he was cribbing it. Actually. <laughs> and some parts of *Henry V*, for example, from Holinshed's Chronicles, you—you you can tell that he must have had the book on the desk or in his knee in as he was actually doing the writing so he 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 was nowadays actually he would be accused of plagiarism in (laughs) some cases i think you've been
0: your scholarship about shakespeare has 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 been very wide it's is that fair to say or have you have you you haven't focused on any one aspect of him
1: I've, I've tried to be an all-round Shakespearean, I suppose. I've written about his life, I've written critically about the plays, I've written about the, the afterlife of Shakespeare. I have a book called Shakespeare for All Time, which is not only about Shakespeare in his own time, but goes on tracing the influence that he's had, the plays that have been written as a result of Shakespeare, the operas, the paintings, and so on, right through till, well, 2000, which was the time that I finished writing the book. Uh, So uh, I I have been pretty well an all-round Shakespearean, I think it's fair to say. But I suppose I have centred on the editing of the plays. I'm the general editor of two major editions of Shakespeare, the Oxford edition and and the new Penguin edition mm-hmm. uh, so that means that I've read every Shakespeare play in proof several times <laughs> for two different editions as well as do, uh, doing individual editions of the plays myself. I edited uh, early on in my career, I edited A Midsummer Night's Dream for the Penguin edition for example I also edited The Comedy of Errors and Richard II for that edition uh, and then I was appointed General Editor of mm-hmm. the Oxford Shakespeare to provide a new complete works for Oxford University Press and for that purpose I was actually employed by Oxford University Press. I moved to Oxford and I moved out of university, uh, full-time university teaching uh, to work for a publisher because they felt it was the only way of getting it done. Uh, Previously the press had tended to rely on university professors doing it in their spare time or in their vacations or as their research time, but that hadn't worked. So mm-hmm. they employed me to, <laughs> to, uh, to oversee, uh, uh, to, to inaugurate and oversee an edition, and I worked on that for seven or eight years with one or two colleagues including particularly Gary Taylor who became my co-general editor on that and I edited, uh, (coughs) we edited the complete works for that series, I oversaw the entire project uh, and I edited for that uh, series about half of the plays in, in the complete works and also Simultaneously with that, we had the, what's now called the Oxford World's Classics Edition, which is an edition where uh, separate plays are issued in separate volumes, uh, independently edited, uh, uh, in a much more de- with much more detailed critical apparatus, more detailed introductions and footnotes and that sort of thing. And I edited for that series King Lear myself, which is, in my opinion, the greatest of the plays. So, yes, I'm, a, I'm pretty all round Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Peter Holland. I'm the McMeill Family Professor in Shakespeare Studies at the University of Notre Dame. And you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast.
0: Where can you RSE, the RSC? Our U.S. fall tour of all the great books abridged, William Shakespeare's long-lost first play abridged, and the ultimate Christmas show abridged, continues this week with performances in Aiken, South Carolina, Davis, California, Laramie, Wyoming, Asheville, North Carolina, Maryville, Tennessee, Somerville, New Jersey, San Jose, California, Algona, Iowa, Reston, Virginia, and La Mirada, California. Next winter, we'll perform William Shakespeare's long-lost first play abridged off-Broadway, the new Victory Theater in New York, city and next June we'll return to the Pittsburgh Public Theater to close out their season with our production of Long Lost Shakes. And of course, pop-up Shakespeare is now on sale worldwide. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office venue and ticket information. And now back to my conversation with Sir Stanley Wells of the Shakespeare Birthplace Trust in Stratford-upon-Avon. I know what it means when the reduced Shakespeare Company edits yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Shakespeare's plays. We do it irreverently. Um, what does it mean? What does it mean to edit his plays the way you do it, the reverent yes, way? It's
1: true that the word "edit" has multiple meanings, <clears throat> and quite often nowadays, by editing, people mean rewriting or changing yes. or shortening. Right. Editing, in my sense of the word in the Scottish sense of the word, means trying to get back to uh, what was originally written. Uh, to, to investigating that and then representing it for the modern reader that's an important part of it it means going back to the original texts Shakespeare, about half of Shakespeare's plays were printed independently in quarto editions in his lifetime and then the, the, two of his colleagues oversaw the, the production of the complete play, more or less, uh, in what's known as the First Folio, printed uh, published in 1623, seven years after Shakespeare died. Now there are often discrepancies between those that are f- between the first printings and the folio printings, uh, and uh, that they need to be investigated and thought about, uh, uh, and. Also, we need to think about the presentation. Uh, my the first three four months that I was after I've been appointed to do the Oxford edition, I spent on, on writing an essay about modernising Shakespeare's spelling. It may seem a rather trivial and pedantic subject, uh, but I think it's an important one to to think, to consider how we what we do. To present the plays for Shakespeare for for a modern reader Mm -hmm. we need to think about the staging of the plays we've put a lot of thought into that Uh, so you have to think rethink the stage directions of the Mm -hmm. plays which is the area where the editor has the greatest freedom because the the original plays are often deficient in stage directions. And that's partly because Shakespeare was writing for his own company, so he didn't have to tell them what to do in, on, the, on, on the manuscript. Right. He was able to tell them in person. Uh, and, uh, uh, of course, Shakespeare had this very close relationship with the acting company, uh, with which he was himself a member. And so, for, for, for an editor, we're thinking both back into Shakespeare's time, trying to think what he wrote what he what he intended but we're also thinking now how do we present that right. for now not only in in the spelling in the punctuation in the stage directions but also in the notes that we write trying to explain lost jokes for example trying, trying to uh, explain the meanings of words which have gone out of out of use nowadays trying to trace the uh, the the way the, the the fact that he often uses proverbial language for example mm-hmm. um, uh, the quotations that he uses from other writers, his use of of the, of the classics. Uh, so, yeah, an editor's job is never done. <laughs> <laughs> is uh,
0: uh, John Hemmings and Henry Condal published the first folio? Were they Shakespeare's
1: first editors? Yes, in a way you could say they were his first editors, but it's a very difficult area of discussion. Uh, I disagree with some of my colleagues about that. We don't really. They were the compilers. I would right. be more inclined to say. Yeah. But other people must have had a lot to do with preparing the text. Sure. One of them we do know for certain about is a scribe, a professional scribe called Ralph Crane. You can imagine in Shakespeare's time. Uh, scribes were very necessary because Shakespeare writes the play uh, but then it has to be copied out by hand mm-hmm. for every actor, every, at least parts of it have. It's yeah. interesting to know that they were copied, each part was copied independently. The actors themselves, for the first production of, let's say, Hamlet, wouldn't get the whole play. They would get their own parts written on scrolls which, and those scrolls were sheets of paper gummed or stuck together Hamlet's part must have been <laughs> twenty feet long, wasn't oh, right. it? The only what we've only got mm-hmm. one surviving role of this of this type from Shakespeare's time. It's not a Shakespeare play, and that is sixteen feet long. <laughs> so uh, it must have been quite a cumbersome business in rehearsals <laughs> in Shakespeare's time. Uh, the the uh, jokes are made of it in *The Midsummer Night's Dream*. The, the play scenes and the rehearsal scenes in *The Midsummer Night's Dream* are very revealing indeed about the practices of Shakespeare's own theatre in a jerky sort and comic sort of way, of course.
0: Well, and I'm, I'm, I'm taken with the fact that Shakespeare himself wrote so many characters who have a terrific knowledge of stagecraft. So he so Hamlet for instance is very knowledgeable about about actors and 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 he satirizes as you were saying um uh, the make, playmaking uh, in midsummer. Um, is that is that autobiographical was he making satirical point was he just using anything he had to hand when he does this?
1: Oh, I think there is a, a, a considerable amount of personal uh experience behind Shakespeare's plays. Uh, you you could say autobiographical in that sense. Of course it's just difficult always to sort out what is autobiographical and what is derived, but certainly when Hamlet is talking for example about the players and let your players speak no more than set down for them and the speech to the players, he's speaking out of Shakespeare's own imagination and and Shakespeare's knowledge of the theatre of his time. This has been such a fantastic
0: conversation and it's gone all over and I, and I thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I, I'll just, final question is, do you, is it fair to say that you taught Peter Holland everything
1: he knows? <laughs> no, it's not fair to say that I taught Peter everything he knows. <laughs> and Barton did a lot of that and his Cambridge education. No, but I have, um, we've been talking mainly about my scholarly work, but I've also been a teacher. I've supervised something like 80 PhD dissertations in my time. And indeed, most of my writing about Shakespeare, except for the editing, has been done since I retired. Because as a, as a, 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 a as a university employee, I, I was I was employed to teach rather, rather than to write. That's it
0: for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Send us the multi-volume editions of Shakespeare that you've edited via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can also engage with us and other fans on Facebook or Twitter. You can find easy links to all these social networks at our website, reducedshakespeare.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener and Sir Stanley at Stanley underscore Wells. Thanks, as always, to compiler rather than editor Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Austin Hine. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Peter Holland, the McMeal Family Professor in Shakespeare Studies at the University of Notre Dame and the Chair of the International Shakespeare Association in Stratford, as well as the dramaturgical resource for our book, Pop Up Shakespeare. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. I'm Austin Titchener, 567, 1701sts of the Reduced Shakespeare Company.
1: Sir Stanley, thank you so much. Nice, that's all right. Nice to talk to you about all this.